Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We are on the frequencies 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kHz on the 19-meter band to West Africa, as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisoluhoko and Figilelingwati. In our top stories in Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa, Nelson Mandela Day celebrations get underway across the world, and the UN launches progress report on sustainable development goals. In economics news, Japanese carmaker Mazda extends defective airbag recall, and in sports news, former Namibian sprinter Frankie Frederick suspended. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. A female suicide bomber has killed eight people and wounded 18 others at a mosque in northeastern Nigeria. The woman detonated a bomb while trying to enter the mosque in the center of Maiduguri, the capital of Borno State. Nobody has claimed responsibility for the attack. Suicide bombings and raids have continued since the military offensive in northeast Nigeria, as well as in Cameroon and Niger. At least 12 people were killed and over 40 wounded when suicide bombers attacked a town in northern Cameroon last week. A group of community elders in northeast Nigeria, where Boko Haram has waged a bloody eight-year insurgency, have meanwhile urged the Islamists to enter peace talks. The Bona Elders Forum of Retired Military and Civilian Officials say it's time Boko Haram put down their arms, repent and join the larger society. President Mohamedou Buhari, a former army general, has given no sign of wanting to negotiate a settlement since he came to power in 2015. Seven out of eight Kenyan candidates for the post of the deputy president in the upcoming general elections have skipped a televised debate, leaving one candidate to face moderators. Deputy President William Ruto's main opponent, Kalonzo Musioka, said the organizers had not consulted him. Sarah Kimani has more. Elliot Carriera, the presidential running mate for independent presidential candidate Dr. Jafet Kabinga, is the only one who turned up for the debate. He got his chance to sell the policies of his candidate, indicating that he would fight corruption and mismanagement of public funds. He described his team as dynamic with fresh new ideas. A letter from Deputy President William Ruto indicated that there had been no meetings to agree on issues such as ground rules and that the Deputy President only saw his invitation letter on Friday. 
The United Nations will mark Nelson Mandela International Day with an official commemoration headlined by the Secretary-General Antonio Guterres and activist Denis Glover. Every year on the 18th of July, the day former South African President Nelson Mandela was born, the UN asks individuals around the world to mark Nelson Mandela International Day by making a difference in their communities. Sharon Bryce-Peace reports. This year's commemoration will be the first time Secretary-General Antonio Guterres will speak on the subject of Nelson Mandela International Day. Glover, who has a long relationship with South Africa, was among a group that hosted Madiba during his first visit to the United States in 1990 after his release. Later, UN volunteers, staff and diplomats will participate in a clean-up operation on Randall's Island just north of Manhattan as part of their 67 minutes of service to humanity, with the Mandela Day exhibition expected to open at UN headquarters later Tuesday. This is the seventh commemoration after a General Assembly resolution in 2009 named the first UN Day in the history of the organization after an individual. Meanwhile, the Zambian High Commissioner to South Africa, Emmanuel Mwamba, says as the world battles with the leadership question, many can learn from Nelson Mandela's legacy. Mwamba has called on leaders to emulate Mandela. In light of failing leadership, you know, he becomes a, a band standard for us to look to so that we begin to measure ourselves. Are we living up to the values that Nelson Mandela what would Nelson Mandela say in these circumstances that we are facing? So it's an important day, and we are glad that uh, South Africa declared it as such. I wish that the rest of Africa can, because we hold him not just as a South African hero, as an African hero. And that's the news. It lands at 8.30 Central African time. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zola. Africa, Amuka na Unai. We, the people of South Africa, feel fulfilled that humanity has taken us back into its bosom. The world has seen how deeply he believes in freedom, human dignity, and the right of the individual to fulfill his or her dream. I think for the rest of the world, his legacy will be the symbolism of his own character, of his extraordinary gift for forgiveness and reconciliation. Nelson Mandela is a living embodiment of the highest values of the United Nations. Nelson Mandela. South Africa's giant in history. It's 807 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on this Tuesday, July the 18th, the 199th day of 2017 with 166 days left in the year. Now going back in time to today, the former South Africa's president Nelson Mandela was born in the small village of Mvezel in the Eastern Cape province as we celebrate Nelson Mandela International Day. He was born today in 1918. 
world that remains beset by so much human suffering, poverty, and deprivation. It is in your hands to make of our world a better one for all. From July 18, raise your hand and make a dedicated effort to keep helping others in any way you can. Make every day a Mandela Day. It is in your hands to make a difference. Nelson Mandela's values of building a future where everyone can live in live in peace, prosperity and in harmony with nature remain principles central to what drives the United Nations every day. That's the word from senior officials at the global organization where Nelson Mandela International Day was birthed in the General Assembly almost eight years ago. Hollywood star and UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador Denny Glover will headline the official commemoration in New York later today. Show and Bryce Peace reports. Madiba, I love you so much. The greatest president of the world. While it was the General Assembly at the UN that declared Nelson Mandela Day in November 2009, it was this New York concert in July of the same year, featuring Stevie Wonder among some of the biggest names in music that created all the buzz first UN day named after an individual that is growing in popularity around the world as the acting undersecretary general for public information Maha Nasser explains. Every year we see increased interest from our colleagues in the field and also here at headquarters of doing something on Nelson Mandela Day to actually uh, represent the spirit and the meaning of what that day was about public service and supporting the values that Nelson Mandela embraced. This year, in partnership with the City of New York, the General Assembly will host the official commemoration with actor and activist Danny Glover as the keynote speaker. Officials and diplomats will later in the day head to Randall's Island, just north of Manhattan, to clean the shoreline and work on an urban farm. And in a world of turmoil and suffering, a rapidly changing climate and a development agenda vast and growing, Madiba's values have never been more relevant. Change can also start with us. Nelson Mandela spent, or he didn't choose to spend, he was imprisoned for 27 years. And when he came out, instead of being bitter and angry, he actually spoke about collaboration and openness and reaching out. And he embodies a vision that wants to build a future that is based on collaboration that supports what the United Nations supports. Previous commemorations, like this one in 2013, have featured old friends with words worth remembering. Former President Bill Clinton first, and then ANC stalwart Andrew Mlangeni, speaking at the UN four years ago. First, you can't free anybody else, and you can't serve anybody else, unless first you free yourself from bitterness and hatred and resentment and the paralysis they bring. Mandela walked out of prison after 27 years, a greater man than he went in. The United Nations has played its part in liberating the people of South Africa. Now you play an even more important role of keeping alive the values that Madiba has given us. The UN just days ago launching the Fez Plan of Action with the world's religious leaders, an initiative to curb atrocities around the globe. 
Listen to Adama Dieng, the special advisor for prevention of genocide. Mandela, thanks to his wisdom, thanks to his concern of managing diversity in the most constructive manner, decided to uh, build a rainbow nation where there will be no white, no black, no Indian, no Christian, no animist, but simply South African. And that is why I am glad that uh, in the course of this Mandela Day, around this period, we are launching this project, and I wish Mandela also continue to inspire the entire world, which is uh, unfortunately a world where we need everybody, member state, civil society, everybody should join efforts. Gone, but not forgotten. And an example that lives on in all of us, 67 minutes at a time. I'm Sherwin Bricepies in New York. Kenyans from all walks of life want their leaders to emulate the late South African President Nelson Mandela's style of leadership. The East African nation goes to the polls in the next month and most voters say they will be looking for selfless leaders like Mandela was. Our reporter in Kenya, Sarah Kimani, spoke to a cross-section of Kenyans ahead of this year's Mandela Day. Loved and revered in the same measure, the late Nelson Mandela spent the better part of his years after his release from prison mediating peace between warring factions in Burundi, a mission that saw the signing of the Arusha Peace Accord and the formation of lasting relationships between Mandela and the East African region. While many Kenyans may not remember him as a peace mediator, they revere him for not being power-hungry, a much-needed virtue as a country goes to the ballot. He was a patriotic man. So they must preach, uh, preach peace like uh, our brother Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela set a very good example for African leaders. Uh, example of tolerance. I think for me, I'd like us to learn about courage. Kenyans are in agreement that there is a lot to learn from Mandela, who admitted that his fight for South Africa's freedom was inspired by the struggle of Kenya's Mau Mau freedom fighters. Sarah Kimani, Kenya. It's 8.14 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Now let's go back in time to today in 1998. Nelson Mandela marries Grasa Machel on his 80th birthday, the widow of former Mozambican President Samora Machel. That's today in history in the year 1998. The world remains beset by so much human suffering, poverty, and deprivation. It is in your hands to make of our world a better one for all. From July 18, raise your hand and make a dedicated effort to keep helping others in any way you can. Make every day a Mandela Day. It is in your hands to make a difference. Now, to commemorate the Nelson Mandela Day in Zimbabwe, various activities have been lined up, including a boxing tournament named after the late icon. Simon Muchemwa has more from the capital, Harare. The sound of Mbira 
Otam piano, a traditional Zimbabwean musical instrument that consists of a basic cyclical pattern that includes numerous intertwined melodies with contrasting rhythms, is a welcome to Africa. Mbira was traditionally used at religious ceremonies to evoke spiritual possession and was later incorporated to contemporary and pop music. As the world commemorates International Mandela Day, Zimbabweans have equated the late South African President Madiba to Mbira instrument as he was unique and an inspiration. Arare based youth Tanaka Tsikira, Mbira instrument player, said, Well, to me, the Mbira is the obviously the national instrument of our country, you know, and we've been playing this thing for a very long time, you know. So I think when you play it, you know, you connect to an ancient time, you know. And I think it's always good to connect to the people that came before you. Like Mbira instrument that soothed the souls across the continent, so was Nelson Mandela, Tsikira said. Mr. Mandela, I think he was a very emotionally strong man because what he went through those years in prison, it was a very long time. I think he, he was in prison longer than I've been alive. That's a really long time. And to then come out of that with a message of reconciliation, peace and love, God, takes a very emotionally strong man and most people would have been very bitter and I when I think of him I'm like ah that was very powerful. Meanwhile in commemoration of Nelson Mandela Day the South African government in partnership with the Zimbabwean Boxing Federation has been running several bouts from the 5th of July as Mandela was a well-known boxer. Zimbabwean-based boxing coach Alexander Kwangware said the tournament has attracted more than 100 boxers from the region and is meant to inspire youths. Uh, that tournament was sponsored by the South African government. As to the men, Nelson Mandela is an international icon. From Zimbabwe, there were eight boxers, but from the region, uh, we were expecting something like 100, 100 to more than 100 boxers from region. Gilbert Munetzi, director of Box Africa Limited Academy based in Harare, said Nelson Mandela inspired boxing in the region. Uh, Mandela, uh, even from his biography, he talks a lot about, about boxing, about his exploits in the ring, about how he used the sport of boxing, you know, to psych himself up, you know, psychologically, you know, even uh, during the time he was behind bars. So he viewed boxing as a sport, you know, that uh, requires a lot of uh, intellectuality. You know, you need to size up your opponent. It's not like, you know, you just go in the ring and fight. You know, there's a lot of, you know, thinking that um, uh, revolves around uh, the sport of boxing. So uh, according to him, you know, that uh, kind of helped him even during the um, uh, lengthy term of his jail uh, sentence. You know, his wish was to be a world champion. And even after uh, release from incarceration, I know he, he, he met uh, Muhammad Ali, who was reviewed as, uh, viewed rather as um, the greatest box of all time. And he also met people like uh, Mike Tyson uh, when they visited South Africa. So he was a great influence to boxing. The Nelson Mandela Foundation has decided to dedicate 2017 to honoring a great statesman and making every day a Mandela Day by encouraging everyone to take action against poverty in a way that will bring about sustainable change. In Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Muchemwa.
The South African Blood Service has encouraged people to use their 67 minutes in celebration of Mandela Day to donate blood. The SAANBS will be at several shopping malls in the South African city of Bloemfontein where people can donate blood and save lives the way Mandela saved South Africa by working towards a peaceful democracy after he was released from prison. During his life, Mandela urged South Africans to dedicate 67 minutes of their time to help other people and ensure a better world. Marina van Weyck reports. The SANB's theme for Mandela Day is, it's not just blood, it's saving a nation. According to SANBS statistics, less than 1% of South Africans donate blood. Joe Kabe, SANBS education officer in the Free State, says by donating a unit of blood, a person can save the lives of three people. Kabi says there is a shortage of blood for all blood types because it's the winter recess. Yes, we are using this Mandela Day as a campaign where we want to make people aware that the other means of spending the 67 minutes is by giving blood. We know that people are not aware because normally people will go for cleaning, painting and other stuff. But they don't realize that you can actually spend 67 minutes of your time by giving blood and at the same time you are helping the person who is really in need. Blood donors from Bloemfontein say they want to keep the spirit of Mandela alive by saving a child in need of blood, hospital patients or victims of road accidents. Uh, Mandela went to prison for all of us so giving blood to save, like I said earlier, save one person's life is a massive thing. So saving a baby's life, saving a person's life is just, it's great. And that is my part that I can do every year and every second month. For us, donating blood, it means to save a life, whether it's old people or babies, um, anyone injured, at that moment they can have, they can survive, they can have a chance in their lives. Um, I just think that it's very important that um, with what you are able to do that you give unto others and it's, it's, it's the best time to do it so in the spirit of Mandela Month and you know it doesn't cost anything for you to just come down and you know help save a life and it's the best thing you can do for another person. Healthy people between the age of 16 and 65 who lead a sexually safe lifestyle and weighs more than 50 kilograms are encouraged to donate blood in remembrance of Madiba this year. I am Marina van Wyk in Bloemfontein. A world that remains beset by so much human suffering, poverty and deprivation. It is in your hands to make of our world a better one for all. The world, there are people thinking about you now. The heavens celebrate a wondrous light. Africa's icon Nelson Mandela once said, Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Channel Africa is following in his footsteps. On International Mandela Day, Tuesday the 18th of July, the station will spend 67 minutes of service painting classrooms at Yeovil Community School in Johannesburg, South Africa, together with Move It, Moving Matters.
school shoes, stationery and socks will also be donated by Channel Africa with the support of Nissan South Africa. Join Channel Africa for a live broadcast from the event. Channel Africa, the African Perspective. confess that uh, I didn't have uh, the courage and the confidence you know, to speak to me. Some civil society organizations in South Africa have vowed to bring a criminal case against President Jacob Zuma soon. This comes on the eve of the conference for the future of South Africa, which starts in Johannesburg today. The conference is aimed at looking at the current state of a country's politics. Amongst the participating groups is the organization Undoing Tax Abuse Outer, which will be unveiling a seven-chapter document, which it alleges gives evidence of state capture by the Gupta family. Ndebo Mukobo has more. Calls for the removal of President Jacob Zuma intensifying. On Tuesday, over 90 civil society organizations were gathered in Johannesburg to build a new front against state capture. And the convener of Safe South Africa, Sipo Pichana, says with all the evidence and the outrage from ordinary people following allegations of state capture and the Gupta emails, it is clear that South Africans want the president to step down. When you read the momentum of this, we shouldn't look at events. Our demand is that Zuma should go. The voices that were making this demand this time last year were few and far apart. The voices that today object to that are few and far apart. That's a fantastic turn in terms of society's view of what should happen as a precondition. We have been acting in different ways, in different places, all of us saying the same thing. This conference tomorrow says, isn't it time that we coordinate (coughs) our efforts and we act together in unison and ensure that our efforts are combined in order to maximize our impact? The urgency for this president to go has never been greater. And some civil society organizations are already planning criminal charges against the president. The organization Undoing Tax Abuse Outer has put together a seven-chapter document to support its case. Dominic Msibi from Outer explains what forms the basis of their case. It explains how Zuma and his cronies are enriching themselves at the expense of the country. It explains how Zuma protected himself from prosecution for the longest time. It explains Zuma's corrupt relationship with the Guptas. It details how key state institutions are targeted as honeypots and how control was seized. It contains annexures which are evidence. Anyone will know that if you want to go for legal action, you need evidence. And the evidence of all the cases that we want to bring to court are annexed in this document. Msibe also says a document has been well received by members of parliament and the relevant law enforcement agencies. I would confidently say that it's been well received. And the reason why I say that is that we've received acknowledgement of receipt by the parties that it was sent to. With regards to how it was received by law enforcement agencies, very well received. Because we are already working with some of the law enforcement agencies, particularly in um, bringing cases against the individuals that are responsible for what's happening in the SOEs. 
Earlier today, Msibi opened a criminal case against former Communications Minister Faith Mutambi for allegedly sharing confidential and secret cabinet information with members of the Gupta family and for the appointment of former Chief Operations Officer of the SAPC, Laudi Mutwening, whom she said it came at a huge cost to the public broadcaster. Meanwhile, the Conference for the Future of South Africa, starting in Johannesburg on Tuesday, will see remarks from, among others, former Prasa Board Chairperson Pupo Mulefe, ANC's Dr. Makozi Koza and Reverend Frank Chikana from the South African Council of Churches. I am Debo Mokobo in Johannesburg. A world that remains beset by so much human suffering, poverty and deprivation. It is in your hands to make of our world a better one for all. All across the world there are people thinking about you now. The heavens celebrate a wondrous life. Africa's icon Nelson Mandela once said, Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Channel Africa is following in his footsteps. On International Mandela Day, Tuesday the 18th of July, the station will spend 67 minutes of service painting classrooms at Yeovil Community School in Johannesburg, South Africa, together with Move It, Moving Matters. shoes, stationery and socks will also be donated by Channel Africa with the support of Nissan South Africa. Join Channel Africa for a live broadcast from the event. Channel Africa, the African Perspective. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza, Africa, Amuka na Unai. It's 8.30 Central African time and our headlines up next with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, a female suicide bomber has killed eight people and wounded 18 others at a mosque in northeastern Nigeria. Seven out of eight Kenyan candidates for the post of the deputy president in the upcoming general elections have skipped a televised debate, leaving one candidate to face moderators. And the United Nations will mark Nelson Mandela International Day with an official commemoration headlined by the Secretary General Antonio Guterres and actor-actor Danny Glover. Those are the stories making headlines. Thank you, Anne. Political analyst Professor Dingyiko Maluleka has warned South Africa's ruling ANC not to undermine the SACP's decision to contest elections on its own. The decision was taken at the party's 14th Congress. However, the party did not give any time frames as, when, as to when the decision will be implemented, saying it still needed to work on the modalities. Amos Pajo reports. 
Throughout the Congress, senior leaders of the SACP cautioned against contesting elections independently, saying the ANC should be supported due to its current challenges. However, this battle was lost in commissions where the party resolved to contest elections. SACP General Secretary Bladin Zimande says the resolution will still have to be discussed with alliance partners. Firstly, our resolution say we may or may not contest separately in the context of a reconfigured alliance. That is why we are talking of a roadmap, which also will be informed by the kinds of engagements that we have. So allied formations contesting elections independently does not necessarily make an opposition. That's not where we are at this point in time. All what this resolution does is strengthens the 2007 resolution, because we have taken a resolution in 2007 where we gave ourselves two options contest elections under an ANC list or contest elections through separate lists with an aim maybe of forming some kind of the problem with the 2007 resolution is that we didn't fully implement it maybe with the Pulukwane hype if we were to be quite honest Political analyst Tinyego Maluleke says the governing party must however not underestimate the resolution or reduce it to a mere threat. The SACP has been campaigning for the ANC during elections since 1994. Maluleke says while the marriage with the ANC might be facing challenges, going into elections alone will not be an easy task for the Communist Party. It is clear that they will not at this point in time have the infrastructure and the 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 feet on the ground across the land to contest the elections meaningfully because for too long now, since the dawn of democracy, they have outsourced this function to the African National Congress. And if they are to stand on their own, they will have to establish facilities, tactics, and uh, infrastructures that uh, they don't currently have. Uh, But that is um, the homework. One of the problems dominating the alliance currently is the so-called state capture allegations which involve President Zuma's friends, the Gupta family. The SACP has questioned this relationship following allegations that the family is given preference in its business dealings with government and also dictates appointments of senior officials including ministers. The party ultimately called on President Zuma to step down as head of state and now wants a realignment of the marriage so that the alliance becomes a center of power with all partners acting as equals during decision-making processes. The SACP has made it clear that this will be a central point in its meetings with the allies. Maluleke says the governing party should be concerned about the SACP's decision. Putting forward the principle of the possibility of them contesting the elections I think it's momentous, not just for the ANC, but for them also as a party. And one hopes that they recognize this fully and that the ANC recognizes fully uh, what it means. The Communist Party has never been about numbers. It has been about the strength of their ideological analysis. And they have learned, if you like, from the ideological point of view, the so-called National Democratic Revolution. 
and that's what the ANC would lose. The SACP will convene a special augmented central committee meeting later this year to further discuss feedback on its engagements with alliance partners on the resolution to contest elections. A special congress will be held next year where a final decision is expected to be made on the issue. I'm Amos Powell in Johannesburg. It's 8.35 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Iraq will continue to require international support in the wake of the military victory in the northern city of Mosul, the Security Council heard on Monday. The UN's top representative in the country, as well as a senior Iraqi diplomat, told ambassadors of the substantial need for assistance, including to remove landmines left by the terrorists and to return scores of displaced residents to their homes. Diane Payne reports. The Iraqi authorities announced the liberation of Mosul on the 10th of July following a nine-month military offensive to root out the terrorist group ISIL, also known as Daesh. Having held control of Iraq's second-largest city for the past three years, the extremists were not about to give it up easily. UN Special Representative for Iraq Jan Kubish said Daesh showed absolute disregard for human lives and civilization, booby-trapping homes, using residents as human shields and firing upon families attempting to flee the city. The historic liberation of Mosul should not conceal the fact that the road ahead is extremely challenging. Reclaiming the remaining territories still under Daesh's control will not be easy. Moreover, Daesh's supporters continue their vicious terrorist activities against civilians in Iraq and beyond. Mr. Kubish told ambassadors that Iraq will continue to need substantial regional and international support if it is to turn the gains of the military victory in Mosul into long-term stability. He said demining efforts, reconstruction and ensuring conditions for displaced people to return home come hand-in-hand with the liberation. Furthermore, law and order will have to be enforced, as will justice, accountability and good governance. Speaking through an interpreter, the Chargé d'Affaires at Iraq's mission to the United Nations, Mohamed Marzouk, spoke of efforts to go back to normal in areas freed from the extremists. Official entities in Iraq, in the liberated areas, are working to return life to normalcy and to begin offering services paving the way to the return of the displaced persons who have reached around 3 million. Therefore, Iraq is in dire need for the international community's support to face the challenges imposed by this post-dash phase in Iraq in order to achieve stability and reconstruction and build the destroyed infrastructure and remove the mines and the ordinances planted by the terrorist gangs of Daesh in the cities that we have regained control over. The Security Council recently extended the mandate of the UN operation in Iraq, which has been advising the government since 2003. Mr. Kubish said the mission, known as UNAMI, has urged the authorities to address reprisals against Iraqis believed to be connected to the terrorists. Of particular concern is the rising popular sentiment in favor of collective punishment of families perceived to be associated with Daesh. Countrywide, Iraqis perceived to have links with Daesh are being increasingly subjected to evictions, confiscation of homes, and other retribution and revenge measures. 
UNAMI has recommended that the Prime Minister takes urgent steps within his prerogative to maintain the rule of law and order to hold evictions and vindictive acts. The UN official also paid tribute to the Iraqi and foreign journalists who were killed while covering the Mosul campaign. He said their sacrifice had not been in vain as a free and impartial media is essential to ensuring transparency and accountability. Deanne Penn, United Nations. A world that remains beset by so much human suffering, poverty and deprivation. It is in your hands to make of our world a better one for all. All across the world there are people thinking about you now. The heavens celebrate a wondrous light. Africa's icon Nelson Mandela once said, Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Channel Africa is following in his footsteps. On International Mandela Day, Tuesday the 18th of July, the station will spend 67 minutes of service painting classrooms at Yeovil Community School in Johannesburg, South Africa, together with Move It, Moving Matters. It's 8.40 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. The world must drive implementation of these sustainable development goals at a faster rate if the deadline of 2030 is to be achieved. That was the conclusion of the latest progress report on the SDGs launched in New York. The report calls for a higher level of political leadership and the creation of new partnerships and synergies if the goals, which include the eradication of poverty, zero hunger and gender equality, are to be achieved in the next 13 years. Show and Bryce Peace reports. It's a snapshot on how far the world has progressed towards greater sustainability highlighting the gains and challenges towards full realization of the goals. The report shows that the rate of progress in many areas is far slower than needed. Wu Hongbo is the Undersecretary General of the UN's Department of Economic and Social Affairs. The rate of extreme poverty was reduced to 11%. Yet, this translates to an estimated 767 million people still living with a severe deprivations on less than $1.9 a day. Despite progress since the Millennium Development Goals, food insecurity remains hugely problematic, with almost 800 million people worldwide undernourished between 2014 and 2016. More than 3 billion people as of 2015 still lacked clean cooking fuel and technologies, while gender inequality remains stubbornly entrenched in many countries. Only 55% of rural populations globally have access to clean drinking water. Progress falls short of what is needed for affordable, reliable, sustainable and a modern energy for all. Our environment continues to bear the blunt of our actions, leaving more than 2 billion people to confront water stress 
and nine out of ten cities dwellers breathing polluted air. The report also finds that on unemployment, youth today are still three times more likely than adults to be without a job, while far too many women still die during childbirth. Maternal deaths have declined, but we need to double the rate of reduction in order to meet the target. Quality education and learning opportunities are still not reaching millions of children who remain out of school. Gender inequality remains deeply entrenched and youth unemployment is pervasive. And as the effectiveness of multilateralism and globalization continues to be questioned, the SDGs now punted as a catalyst by the Secretary General himself. Listen to Antonio Guterres. Problems are more and more global. Challenges are more and more global. There is no way any country can solve them by itself. And so we need global answers. And we need multilateral governance forms. And we need to be able to overcome this deficit of trust. And that, in my opinion, is the enormous potential of the Agenda 2030. Because the Agenda 2030 is an agenda aiming at a fair globalization. It's an agenda aiming at not leaving anyone behind, eradicating poverty, and creating conditions for people to trust again in uh, not only political systems, but also in multilateral forms of governance and in international organizations like the UN. Mobilization key from all stakeholders if the SDGs are to make a meaningful impact. I'm Sherwin Bricepies in New York. A world that remains beset by so much human suffering, poverty and deprivation. It is in your hands to make of our world a better one for all. From July 18, raise your hand and make a dedicated effort to keep helping others in any way you can. Make every day a Mandela Day. It is in your hands to make a difference. Our economics update up next with Tabiso Lohoku. Thanks, Lulu. Mazda South Africa has extended its recall campaign on certain vehicles due to defective airbags. The recall follows investigative recalls by Mazda in Japan and North America. The car maker says an additional 19,000 units have been affected in South Africa. The affected vehicles are Mazda 2, Mazda 6 and RX-8 models produced from 2003. Henry Gerber, a warranty and technical manager at Mazda South Africa, says... The recall is a preventative measure, since there have been no reports of defects in Mazda vehicles in the country. We've got no confirmed cases of any incidents around our airbags. Um, All the airbags that are being replaced are being investigated for possible defects. Prevention is better than cure, so uh, we're replacing them as a recall. We physically removed the old unit from the vehicle and fit the new one. Uh, The repair or the swap-out takes about 20 minutes, but my advice is to make contact with the dealer network um, as well as our customer care desk. 
Platinum miner Lonmin has cut more costs and improved its mining performance in its third quarter, but falling metal prices continue to weigh. Shares in the South Africa-focused company were up 7% in London. Lonmin has been struggling with the shrinking profit margins due to high costs, operational issues and stubbornly low platinum prices. Although China is Africa's largest infrastructure financier with a 40% year growth in foreign direct investment on the continent, the country's involvement is not without challenges. According to a new report by McKinsey Africa conducted across eight countries that together make up about two-thirds of sub-Saharan Africa's GDP, it was found that there are already over 10,000 Chinese firms operating in Africa. This is four times more than the previous estimate. Zambian businesses which have deposited money in the SME bank are worried about the money they cannot access because of the closure of the bank. Last week, the bank, majority owned by government, closed down after the High Court judge, Hanalee Prinsloo, issued a provisional order for its winding up. The Cotton Association of Zambia says over 300 cotton farmers in Mumbua and Lusaka have been trained in spinning and weaving by the European Union from last year to date. CAZ Gender and Business Development Head Asli Mumba says that the association has trained 312 farmers in weaving and spinning, quality control techniques, product design and development. The U.S. dollar trades at 12.97 in South Africa, it's at 10.11 in Botswana, and at 8.79 in Zambia. 0.76 to the British pound, 0.87 to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,237, platinum at $921 an ounce. Brand crude for $8.50 a barrel. I'm Tabisolo Hogo. A sports update up next with Figli Lingwati. First up in our sports update, we begin with cricket news. Today will be a special day for South Africans all over the world. Not only because it is International Nelson Mandela Day, but because the Momentum Proteas will seek to make history when they face off against England in the first semi-final of the 2017 ICC Women's World Cup in Bristol. A win against the host nation will see the South Africans qualify for the final of the tournament for the first time ever. Speaking to the media yesterday afternoon, Captain Dane Fanikerk was quietly confident of her team's chances and expressed a pride in the side of for reaching this stage. Still on cricket news, the South African national cricket captain Fav Duplessis says his side had gone back to basics in a commanding 340-run win over England in the second test at Trent Bridge. Victory saw the Proteas bounce back in style after they suffered a 211-run defeat in the first of a four-match series at Lords. A fixture Duplessis missed following the birth of his first child. Duplessis took the bold decision to bet first after winning the toss at Trent Bridge a ground known for aiding swing bowlers and rewarding with a competitive total of 335 all out. With South Africa coach Russell Domingo missing this match following the death of his mother 
and the attack without fast bowler Gahiso Rabada banned for one game as a result of swearing at England's Ben Stokes at Lords. The Proteas then dismissed England for 205. On to football news, as the Confederation of African Football, CAF Symposium, that could change the whole framework of African football gets underway in Rabat, Morocco today until Wednesday. South Africa will be looking at making a strong contribution. South Africa has sent a strong delegation that includes SAFA President Denny Jordan, PSL Chairman Ivan Koza and other high-ranking officials. Former SAFA Technical Director Seramele Tswaka is a respected figure on technical matters. He also left for Morocco and has more on what to expect. I think uh, the new president uh, would like to make sure that uh, uh, he brings changes uh, in Africa. Uh, there's a lot of things that have been happening in our football. And uh, being the new Ahmed Ahmed from Madagascar, being the new president of CAF, uh, would like to find out uh, in which areas um, that he will uh, concentrate in making sure that the development of football uh, also gets a player uh, a place in the uh, global world of football so this uh, symposium is going to serve that is going to tell him exactly on which areas to be concentrating on Letswaka will also be in the commission that will be discussing the coaching education in Africa and he says they will try to come up with new ideas in this area Administratively, the symposium is going to address that. Um, technically, in coaching, in refereeing, the symposium is going to try and address that. And uh, I will be in those commissions that will be also co- uh, discussing coaching education in Africa. How do we go about in making sure that we also fo- have programs in Africa that are the same as the programs that they have uh, in the rest of the world uh, for us to progress and um, uh, I'm sure you are aware that over time we have not uh, made a big impact in the World Cup we haven't go, gone to uh, the semi-finals of the World Cup so I'm sure that he is coming up with something new to try and revive football in Africa to make sure that uh, there's a lot of improvement in terms of the development of football and that development being coach education that development being referees that development been administrators in Africa. Borussia Dortmund coach Peter Bosch says the speculation surrounding the future of striker Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was not affecting the Gabon international. Aubameyang trained with his teammates in China ahead of Dortmund's International Champions Cup match against AC Milan in Guangzhou today. Aubameyang has been linked with a transfer away from Dortmund with English champions Chelsea reported to be among the clubs interested in signing the 28-year-old striker. I'm happy that he's in our squad and I only will think of problems if the problem is really there and he is here, so there's no problem. Finally, with golf news, world number one Dustin Johnson and Rory McElroy will play together in the first two rounds of the Open Championship at Royal Birkdale. Johnson and McElroy will play together with former Masters champion Charles Schwarzel of South Africa in a group that will start their opening round on Thursday. The trio will then tee off on Friday on the links in the town of Southport, just north of Liverpool on the northwest coast of England. McElroy won the Open not far from Beckdale in Holy Hague in 2014 but comes into this year's championship in poor form, having missed the cut at both the Irish Open and the Scottish Open in the last two weeks. That's the Sport News this hour.
Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories in Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa. Nelson Mandela Day celebrations get underway across the world. And the UN launches progress report on sustainable development goals. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumutora Magadza and Jane Rabutata, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at Rise Africa or send an SMS on 277-969-57930. You can also WhatsApp us at 277 6300 Three three two seven. Let us know what you're up to today as we celebrate Mandela Day. The International Mandela Day is uh, the 18th of July. And that would have been the statesman's 99th birthday today. Now taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa is Sarafina with a song titled Nelson Mandela. As much as any other nation on this continent, we need the ways of peace, the ways of industry, the ways of conquest, and a better life for all our people. The vision of a South Africa where all persons live together in harmony and with equal opportunity. It is an ideal we can live to achieve. Be part of that ideal.